Come on, good morning, Go Church family. How you feel today? I'll tell you what, let's do this. Why don't you look at somebody right near you and say this. Say, you look like a million bucks. Go ahead and tell them that. And then tell them, say, and I need a million bucks, so can I borrow that money? Come on, somebody. It is always a joy and an honor to see you here at Go Church. Um, I'm delighted to, to be a part of the worship gathering today. And most of you know this, but in case you are new to the Go Church family, we have multiple campuses. We've got our South Metro Atlanta campus, which is this room of crazy dysfunctional people. Come on, somebody, that's you. And then on the west side of Atlanta, we have our west side campus, so we greet them today. And then in the greater Washington, D.C. area, we have our Germantown, Maryland campus family. And we got a road that came to visit this weekend. So how about that? Come on. So whatever campus you're a part of today, whether you're in the room, west side, Germantown, and online as well, whoever you are, wherever you are, we love you so much. We're glad that you're here. How about one big family at whatever location? Can we put our hands together, greet one another? Come on. Good. I like it. And then, of course, if you've been a part of Go Church for any period of time, you know that we always want to pause before we get into the Word and just give some honor to the brave men and women that have served in the military. You currently serve in the military. Your job considers you to be a first responder. Look, America's got a lot of stuff that we need to get, get right. We're working on some things. Uh, but we are a free nation, and we are blessed because of that. And we're free because of brave men and women that put their life on the line to serve and protect ours. So if you've served in the military, you're serving in the military, your job says you're a first responder, we're going to go crazy for you in about 10 seconds here at any campus. If that's you, will you put your hands up, keep them up for just a moment. And come on, ladies and gentlemen, let's show some love. Come on, a little bit more. Come on, thank you. Thank you, thank you. Thank you. Man, we love you so much. And, uh, and then, of course, you know this. This weekend, we've had our Man Up Conference. Come on, and it has been, it's been fantastic. If it is fair to say I'm tired, I'd like to publicly admit that. Is that all right? You hang out with 200 men the way we did for, you know, Friday night and Saturday, and you feel a little tired. But it was, it was absolutely life-changing and I'm believing that for those guys that participated at the Man Up Conference, that they're going back home, they're going back to their communities, they're going back to their workplaces, different, 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 different. And ladies, if your man comes home and he's not different, send him back next weekend. Come on now. We'll keep rolling, all right? We're in this together. And speaking of next weekend, it is Father's Day. Come on. And uh, I would just like to say that of all of the holidays that we celebrate Father's Day is the most important holiday. Come on, dads, where are you at? Like, all of the other ones are good. This one, y'all better, you better do something special, you know. So, it's Father's Day, and I want to invite all of you fathers and families to come and be a part of the day. We got a special gift for all the dads. And uh, my, my father-in-law, the, the bishop of this house, we call him, he's my pastor. He's going to be preaching. There's nobody like Alan Matura, man. And I'm just, I love him so much, and I'm thrilled, and... And again, you got free gifts, so, but I, I want to shoot straight with you here, uh, and I want to say to you what I've told others, and this is just facts. Father's Day is one of the lowest attended Sundays in the church, and there's a part of me that gets it, like dads want to, you know, do something on the lake or on the golf course, or, or maybe you work hard and you're just like, man, the greatest gift you could give me is just to leave me alone and let me sleep, and I get that, but I want to invite the family to be a part Father's Day next Sunday, because um, at the end of the day, maybe the dynamic of your relationship with your earthly father isn't healthy, but we can come together next week and we can worship our Heavenly Father, 
And so, listen, you get to do all the other things Sunday afternoon. Let's be in church together. We got some really cool things at all of our campuses for dads and families. You're going to love it. So I'd love for you to be here on Father's Day. Get a free gift. You get to hear a word from my pastor. And we get to be together on Father's Day. So let's come out and be a part of that, okay? And then, here's why you came, is to hear a message. And I want to share with you where we are in the process of this particular conversation and series. Eight weeks ago on Easter Sunday, we did a survey. It's the only time we do a survey as a church. And uh, we ask a few questions. One of the questions that we ask annually on that Easter survey is, what would you like to hear a message on? And then we take all of the, 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 the you know, the suggestions, we take those in consideration, we calculate them, add them all up, and then what we do is we do a series every year called Ask Away. So this year, we're doing five weeks with the five most selected topics of discussion on that Easter survey. And if you've missed any previous week in this particular series, or man, if you've missed any week of of any message, you should go back and listen, because you're getting straight fire every Sunday, people. Come on, somebody. So go back online, download the app. Thank you in the back, mom, for clapping for me. Thank you. You know, uh, trying to get a little attaboy there. But go back online, listen to the previous weeks in this series and other series. Um, One of the most asked areas on that survey is what we'll unpack today. And it's around this question. How do I understand the Bible? How do I understand the Bible? I read it and I want to read it. But when I do, I just feel confused. So how can I understand the Bible? I want to share a message on that today. So... Germantown West Side, everybody in this room online as well. Can you bow your heads for just a moment? Close your eyes. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. I like to do this each week where we just take, you know, 10 seconds of focus and even meditation. Invite God to speak to us today. If you give me 40 minutes here, I believe that the Lord will speak a word to your heart. Let's remove distraction. Don't worry about the busyness of this upcoming week. Don't worry about what you're going to do after church today. Forget about the unread emails and text messages for a few minutes here. Let's ask the Holy Spirit to speak to us, all right? Let's take take 10 seconds and then I'll pray. Here we go. Holy Spirit, here's my prayer that you would open up our spiritual eyes, spiritual ears, and spiritual hearts to hear a word from you today. We need your word. We need your word in our life. And so I pray against distraction today, and I pray for clarity of focus. I pray for receptiveness. I pray the Spirit would go before me as I share this message. I want the cross of Jesus to go before me. I don't want to be seen. I have zero desire to pastor a celebrity status church or to be a celebrity pastor. I only want to make Jesus famous. So I want the cross to go before me today. I need your anointing on my life. I need your help. I need you to use me. I have no desire to impress people, but I have a great desire to impact people through this message. So I not only want to be anointed, but I need your people to be anointed, to receive and to hear and to listen. And I thank you for that. I pray that when we leave here in a few moments, we're going to leave different. That's the point of all of this. The gospel calls us to a place of conviction and repentance and challenges us and confronts us to change. So let's do that today. And we give you thanks in advance of what you're doing. I know you're here, Lord. I have felt your presence through the worship, through the ministry moment, through the prayer time. And even now in this prayer leading into the message, you are here. And so I thank you for that. 
Now, may you get all of the glory. May you get all of the honor. In the precious name of Jesus, we pray. And everybody said amen. All right, you've clapped a lot for a number of reasons. Can we take 10 seconds, give Jesus the best praise we've got? Come on. Come on, can you clap like God's been good to you? Come on. I feel like clapping. Can somebody testify of the faithfulness of God? Here we go. Good. All right, I try to tell you this every Sunday, but I want you to take notes today. So if you're at a physical location, there's a sermon note card in the uh, seat near you. So you can access that. You can take that out. We've got a lot of scripture, a lot of thoughts to cover today, and I want you to write them down. Uh, Most of you know this because I'll share this from time to time. I actually create the presentation here on the TV. Um, You know, I could probably delegate that, but it's a great help for me and my message preparation and even even as I try to you know go without notes and memorize um, so I sometimes I can know according to how many slides about how long the message is going to be and um, today there's 54 slides come on somebody so um, the more you amen the faster I'll preach we, we might be here a while it's going to be here a while all right let's take some notes today we'll dive into this together and I, I believe that God has something for all of us now I always preach from the Bible. And that's important. If you're new to Go Church, you're visiting Go Church, you need to know that we are a Bible-believing church. I don't ever try to push my own agenda, create my own platform. Well, you can come to Go Church, you're going to get the word. And if you know that to be true because you're a part of this family, can you say a good amen right there? You're going to get the word. But I love to preach about the Bible. It is a joy and an honor to get to teach about the Bible and invite you in to the reading of God's word and the studying of scripture, um, I, I challenge everybody to, to read the Bible. And so whenever I talk about the Bible, I want to make sure that we place an emphasis here, and I'll show you on the screen, that we reference scripture as the Holy Bible. Because the Holy Bible is not just a book, it is a book that is set apart from every other kind of book. So in the Greek, the word for, for book is biblios, But the Greek word for set apart is hagios. So this book, the Holy Bible, is a set apart book. And it's got, it possesses a power that no other book can possess. Does that make sense? It's got more power than any book that has ever been written. It's got more power than any book that will ever be written, including the books that God has put in my heart to write. This is the Holy Bible. Now, when you make a decision to dive into Scripture and you begin to read God's Word, you have a desire to read God's Word, there are going to be moments, not maybe, not potentially, there will be moments that you're going to read something, whether it's in a chapter or a story or the Old Testament or maybe even the New Testament, and you just don't understand. Guess what? Welcome to the club. There are repeated places in the Bible that I cannot comprehend with my limited knowledge and intellect and intelligence and education. I, I can't comprehend that. And Listen, we, we pastor a beautifully diverse church, but an incredibly smart church. You all are smart pe- people, but of all of your intelligence, of all of your philosophy, some of y'all got more degrees than a thermometer. Come on, somebody, that's funny. I don't care who you are. There are just moments that you will not be able to comprehend in your own reasoning what God is wanting to get through to us without the revelation of God's word through the Holy Spirit. 
Let me say it to you like this. Our finite minds, and I've shared, I've shared this thought with you in different places, the front half at least. Our finite mind will never be able to fully comprehend an infinite God. God is bigger than us. God is smarter than us. And we ought to say amen for that. Isaiah says that his ways aren't like our ways and his thoughts aren't like our thoughts. And guess what? That's a good thing. So whenever we get to the point of reading the Bible... I think the second thought here can really lay over the context of any, any area of our life. Whenever we get to the point where our earthly comprehension stops, that's where our faith must start. Our faith has to pick up where our earthly comprehension stops working. Now, don't hear what I'm not saying. Always have faith. Live by faith. Walk by faith. Pray by faith. Can I get an amen? I preach by faith. Read by faith. But in the moments that you pick up the Bible and you read something that you don't understand, that's where you have to say, okay, God, I don't get it. I don't understand it, but I'll keep reading and you keep revealing. That's why reading the Bible is a discipline. It's considered one of the spiritual disciplines. Now, I know this part of what I'm about to tell you because it's my testimony. About every three years, I decide to go work out. Can I get an amen from somebody that felt that with me? Come on. I just love little Debbie's. To God be the glory for little Debbie. Little, De- little diabetes. I thank God for her. Come on now. But every three years, I'll get in the, I'll get in the, the gym mode. And Kimberly always laughs at me because I'll eat one healthy meal and work out one time and then come home and take my shirt off. I'm like, look at this chiseled physique. And she'll laugh and say, you probably need to keep working out. You know, like, I love you. And there's a lot of you to love. But you need to work out. And the same is true with the Bible. Like you, you can't just pick it up and expect everything to be revealed and everything to be different. And you understand and comprehend everything. It is a discipline. Hebrews 4.12 says that God's word is alive and active. That's why in one season you can read a verse and hear something or maybe not even get something. And in the next season you get a new revelation or a new fresh encouragement from the Holy Spirit. How many of you know what I'm talking about? So when you read the Bible and don't understand, here's what the enemy will tell you. Well, you're ignorant. Uh, You're not as smart as somebody else or it's too complicated, so just stop reading it. No, you keep reading. You keep disciplining yourself. God will reveal to you everything that he wants to say. Deuteronomy 29, 29, I quote it often. For the secret things belong unto the Lord our God, but those things which he reveals belong to you. How many of you know that's a promise? And to your children forever. So let's dive into this conversation today. If you've got your Bible, go to Psalm 119. Psalm 119. This is the, uh, not only the longest of all of the Psalms, but this is the longest chapter in all of the Scripture. 176 verses. So today, when you're just laying on the couch, take a few minutes, read all 176 verses. Or I could give you five out of 176. Let's look at that. Five verses out of Psalm 119 that just because all, here's the other thing about Psalm 119. All 176 verses are about God's word, about God's law, about the scripture. So I'm going to pull out five here as we kind of set, you know, the initial thought on this conversation. Psalm 119, let's look at verse number 11. As a matter of fact, I feel like we need a little crowd participation. How about we read these together? You ready? Let's read Psalm 119, verse 11 on the count of three. One, two, three. I have hidden your word in my heart that I might not sin against 
you. How many of you hold on to that? Come on, we hide God's word, his word in our hearts so we don't sin against God. Let's look at verse 97 of Psalm 119. You ready? Oh, how I love your law. I meditate on it all day long. Let's keep going. Psalm 119, verse 105. You ready? One, two, three. Your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. By a show of hands, and if you don't raise your hand, I don't want you to feel like, you know, I probably shouldn't even say this. But can you give me an amen if you knew that verse? Now, we know that verse, right? Let's say it again. Your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. And that's important. This is why this verse, I could preach on it alone, is why you need to read the Bible every day. Because a, a lamp will only illuminate a few steps at a time. Did you hear that? So his word illuminates just a few steps at a time so that you can stay on the straight and narrow. Let's look at the 130th verse of Psalm 119. You ready? Here we go. The unfolding of your words gives light and it gives understanding to the simple. How many of you would consider yourself to be simple? That's me. Another translation does say to the ignorant. And that's not putting us down. But it's telling us that there are some things that we just don't understand. But as you read the word of God, his word will begin to unfold and will provide understanding. And then one more here, Psalm 119, verse 165. Ready? One, two, three. Those who love your law have great peace and nothing causes them to stumble. Isn't that good? I don't know about you, but I need some great peace in my life. And I get great peace from a great God. Can you say amen to that? All right, I'm going to set this uh, conversation up uh, in two ways. I'd like to give you practical ways to help you understand the Bible. And then I'd love just to preach about the Bible for a few minutes. So let me give you, I'm a a practical kind of communicator. I always feel like when you leave here, you ought to have some action steps that you can take with you so that you can grow in your faith journey. You know, like, um, I think that's important, right? So let me give you just four practical ways here that you can understand the Bible. Again, practical, practical. Elementary stuff, you probably know these. If you don't know these, these are really good tips to hold on to. If you do know these, these are just reminders for you to do these or confirmation for what you're already doing. I want you to write all four of them down. Here's the first one. You need to get a translation of the Bible that you can understand. Got to get you the right kind of Bible for the season of faith that you are in. And there are a ton of translations out there especially when it comes to English translations. So again, Go Church is incredibly diverse. We have people from all different nations, and that is wonderful and beautiful. But if you are English-speaking, you have an enormous amount of translations. You're blessed. There are, watch this, 3,752 native tongues that don't have a Bible translated in their language today. And in the English language, we we have all kinds. Now, remember, the Bible wasn't originally written in English. So we get our translations from the original ancient text. And then you go back just some years ago, and they discovered the Dead Sea Scrolls. And so the discovery of the Dead Sea Scrolls just uh, solidified the fact that God's word is true. Don't you love sometimes when God says, hey, you need faith and live in faith, But here's a little fact, too. Come on, in there, good? So we got the Dead Sea Scrolls. And so every translation that is available to us is not, the translation is not translated from the translation. The translation is translated from the original text. 
That's why there's accuracy from each translation. Now, I'll group the translation into three different areas. You have formal equivalency. Write this down. Come on. I want you to write it down. Formal equivalency, like the King James, all right, which some of y'all are like married to the King James. I, I've gotten emails in before about, you know, you don't, you don't use King James. You ought to use King James. You're not anointed until you use King James. Okay, I just, you know, Jesus wasn't born in England. <laughs> That's funny <laughs> and true. It's like King James, New King James, uh, the NASB, the ESV, which in my personal like daily Bible reading, I, I often read every day from the NASB. It's my favorite translation. So I, I have found that the NASB works for me. A lot of times on the screen, I'll use the NASB. Anyway, formal equivalency with these types of translations mean that these translations are word, from word, are word for word from the original text. Word for word, just brought into whatever language they were translated into. Word for word. So they're formal. But then there's functional equivalency. And functional equivalency, it like the NLT, the Good News Translation, the TEV, the NIV, which by the way, the NIV is the most sold translation of scripture. And there's not even a close second. But these are functional, which means they weren't translated word for word. They were translated phrase by phrase. Does that make sense? And then you get to paraphrasing. So paraphrasing isn't word for word or phrase by phrase. It's like thought by thought, if you will. It's kind of this overarching like theme. Let's take this one big theme. That's why whenever you read the message, there aren't really like broken into verses, but chunks of verses put together. Does that make sense? Now, if you're new to the faith, and it doesn't matter what age you are, if you're just new to faith, you're new to reading the Bible, listen, I highly recommend you start, you start here because this will help you to understand and comprehend God's word. But remember, as you read these, they're just paraphrasing from the original text. They're not formal, they're not functional, but they're appropriate depending on where you are in your walk with Christ. If you look at the Living Bible, I think his name was Kenneth Taylor, who translated the scripture into the living Bible. He paraphrased the ancient text, the original text, into the living Bible. He didn't do so for profit. It was never Kenneth Taylor's thought of selling the living Bible. You know why, you know why he translated it this way? For his children. He wanted his kids to be able to understand the scripture. And now, of course, it's sold around the world just, just like the message. Let me give you one verse here. 1 Corinthians 13 is a love verse. Uh, you ever been to a wedding? 1 Corinthians 13 was in that vow at some point, right? Let me show you 1 Corinthians 13, verse number 4, in three different translations. And this will kind of help you understanding the difference of formal, functional, and paraphrasing. Let's start 1 Corinthians 13. Uh-oh. What happened here? Won't he do it? Come on, somebody. Look at that. How do you think about that? Here's what the Bible says, 1 Corinthians 13, 4. In the King James, charity suffereth. Long. I think when you read King James, you got to read it that way. <laughs> Charity is kind. Charity envieth not. Charity vaunteth not itself. Charity is noteth puffeted upeth. Come on, somebody. That's funny. That's 1 Corinthians 13, 4. King James. Then you get to 1 Corinthians 13, 4. And the new King James. New King James says it this way. 
And this is how we read it in, 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 in weddings. Love is patient. Love is kind. Love, love does not envy. Love does not boast. Love is not proud. How many of you have read it that way before? So the, the ancient text, the original text, charity is love. And so now the translation just allows us to have a little bit clearer understanding in our dynamic. Then, then you look at the message, the paraphrasing. Love never gives up. Come on, that'll preach, won't it? Love cares more for others than of self. Love doesn't want what it doesn't have. Love doesn't strut. Love don't have no swole head. Come on, somebody. <laughs> throw that in there for you. So in order to understand the Bible, you've got to get a translation that you understand. The second thing, i got to move quick. The second thing is this, is that you've got to get a study Bible. If you want to understand the Bible, you've got to get a study Bible. Now, I'm all about the smartphone. You know, i got an iPhone with the Uversion app. I love my Uversion app. As a matter of fact, as, as while I'm reading the Bible, I take out that Uversion app. I give me a little cup of coffee. You know, I just came out from Man Up, so I can just say this. I get my little blanket. Come on, somebody. There ain't no shame in my prayer blanket game. Come on now. Get on my prayer chair. And it's in, it's in our front room. And I let, I let the, the voice on that Uversion app just read the Bible to me as I follow along. So I love the smartphone, but there's something about a paperback Bible. Running your fingers through the pages. I, I, got, I got a Bible in my office. And I mean, that thing is just beat up. The cover's coming off. As a matter of fact, I got that for one, ooh, I got that for one my first Father's Day. It was from Kimberly and Lakeland on the bottom and said, number one dad. And I thought, they lied on the Bible. <laughs> I mean, you brave to lie on the Bible. I ain't even the top 100. But now you know what it says because it's so worn. It just says, dad. <laughs> but I still tell them, remember what that used to say. But you need a study Bible. And the study Bible has commentary on every page. So theologians and leaders will take the text and they'll provide commentary. Greater insight and experience to what you're reading. There's, there's footnotes. I made it through college on footnotes. Come on, somebody. There's footnotes about, about the, the scripture and the stories. And study Bibles have all kinds of extras in them. Not extra content, not extra blessings, but extra resources. A study Bible's got maps and guides and grids and notes so if you really want to understand the Bible, you get you a study Bible, okay? Then you get yourself a reading plan. you got to have a reading plan. Now, listen, I, when I was younger, my reading plan was, and this is true, and I know people that have done this, where you just flip through the pages and then you just point. And you're like, you just speak, Lord. Do you think God could speak to you that way? Yes, he can. Absolutely he can. But I think as you mature and you grow in the Lord, you need a reading plan. You heard about the guy that one time went up with the approach of just kind of flipping through the pages and then just blindly pointing. And when he did that, he flipped through the pages and pointed and he read. Judas Iscariot went and hung himself. And he thought, well, that ain't good. It's like, I'm going to try it again. So he flipped through the pages, pointed, and it says, now there go and do likewise. Come on, somebody. <laughs> it's, it's dangerous. <laughs> but God can speak to you. You need a game plan. You need a reading plan. Uh, we got 140 people that from the beginning of this year, through the Uversion app, we're reading the Bible together chronologically. 140 people. 
It's amazing. And every day people are commenting about what they're reading. So you could read the Bible chronologically and how it's written, which is really, really fascinating. Kimberly currently does the Bible recap. Have you heard of that one? She does the Bible recap. And let me tell you, like when she's done, I think she's going to have her doctorate. I mean, it's like intense. She's got reading. She's got homework. She's got prayer time. And I was thinking about it for her. Like she really needs all that. I just want to tell you, like (laughs) your first lady needs a lot of time in the Bible. Come on, fellas. How many of you know your woman needs the word? Kimberly's not in the room, so I can say that right now, you know. You've heard us teach this before. As a matter of fact, as a part of Move Track today, you probably saw this in one of the weeks, soap. This is how we teach this. Now, I didn't create soap. Um, I don't know who invented this particular Bible reading approach, but it's the acronym for SOAP. Just like you take a shower every day and you bathe with soap. Oh, I hear you, Lord. There's a teenager that needed that word. Come on, parents, grandparents, help me out. Take a bath, child. And then when you're done bathing, use some deodorant. Can I get an amen from somebody? Come on. So just like you bathe every day, you bathe in the word. You soap in the word. You take a journal, and and what's the scripture? Here's the scripture, and you write that out. Then you write out what did I observe from the scripture I just read? How do I apply what I just observed from the scripture that I just read? And then what's the prayer? And you'll be amazed in your journaling as you go through this particular Bible reading plan how you mature. And your observation and your daily application may have started with one sentence or two in the beginning. Now turns into one paragraph or two or one page or two. So you got to have a Bible reading plan. And then the fourth practical way that you can understand the Bible is just get move track. And I want to tell you, you hear me talk a lot about move track, but you need to know the heart of your pastor and the heart of this team. Our goal for you is not membership. Now membership is a part of discipleship. Because we're living in a culture that's anti-committedness. Different sermon, different day. Right? So we want to push you to being committed to a local church. But membership's not the end-all, be-all goal. Neither is you getting on the go team and serving through the local church. Although you should be on the go team serving the local church. Because this is the bride of Christ. And all y'all got gifts and talents and abilities. Can you give me a good amen? But that's a part of discipleship. Our heart for Move Track is to help you understand the gospel. To help you learn about the spiritual disciplines. To help you discover your purpose. And then, yeah, we give you an opportunity to be a part of this crazy, wild family called Go Church. Now, these happen on the first four Sundays of every single month. You can jump in any week at any time. Today is the second Sunday of the month, so that would be step number. I told you guys we're smart. And jump in at any point. So these are the practical ways that you can understand the Bible. Is that helpful? Come on, I hope that was helpful. All right. Now, let's just, let me share my heart about the Bible for a few minutes here. Uh, You've heard me talk about this before, even seen this particular slide, but I want to help you understand the Word of God. So let let me paint just a little bit of a picture of God's Word. The Bible is a compendium of 66 books, beginning in Genesis, ending in the book of Revelation. 39 of those 66 books are found in the Old Testament. There in the Old Testament, you're going to read all kinds of fascinating stories. How about the story of out of the book of Exodus, which just means the great exit. We see about the children of Israel in bondage to the Egyptian ruler known as Pharaoh. God taps Moses on the shoulder to be the leader of creating the exodus to get the children of Israel out of bondage. God sends plague after plague to get the attention of Pharaoh 
to let God's people go. Eventually, Pharaoh decides to let the children of Israel free, and now over a million people are walking through the desert, headed towards their promised land with Moses as their leader. Eventually, they get to a barricade in the desert. It's known as the Red Sea. All of a sudden, they get word that, and this is long before the days of text messages, emails, and Twitter. They get word that Pharaoh has changed his mind, and he's chasing after them. So in front of them is this massive body of water, and behind them is the Egyptian army coming to kill them. And guess what God does? God splits the sea so they can walk right through it. And I'm here to tell, I feel like preaching for about 30 seconds. And I'm here to tell you that the same God that split that sea and let them walk through on dry ground is the same God that will split seas for you and make a way where there is no way. Come on. You keep flipping through the Bible, you'll come across a story about a guy named Jonah. Jonah and the whale. Or Jonah and a big old fish. God called Jonah to be an evangelist to go to the city of Nineveh and preach against the wickedness of their sin of that nation. So you know what Jonah does as a man of God? He buys a ticket to Tarshish, which is in the opposite direction of the city of Nineveh. He gets on a boat and watch this. You can run, but you can't hide. I'm here to tell somebody today. He gets on a boat and a fierce storm shows up because your disobedience going against the things of God will always cause storms in your life. This storm shows up and the guys on the boat says, somebody on this boat is causing this storm. They decide that it's Jonah. They pick the joker up and they throw him in the water. While he's wading in the water, this is why some of you don't swim at the beach, just be honest. While he's swimming in the water, a big old fish comes and swallows up Jonah. And the Bible says that for three days and three nights, Jonah lived with inside the belly of that fish. And then one day, the message translation says <laughs> that that whale got acid reflux. Come on, somebody. And vomited Jonah up on dry ground. And guess where he was? Nineveh. Story after story after story in the Old Testament. 27 books make up the New Testament. All kinds of stories of God raising up the dead and healing blinded eyes. Calling out Lazarus to come forth after he had been dead four days. Let me tell you, because he's an on-time God. Now watch this. One of my favorite stories is about a guy named Bartimaeus. Blind Bartimaeus. Disabled. Uh, couldn't see, had no vision, had no job, had no money. He was a homeless, poor beggar that strategically sat outside the city gate of Jericho. Now, he couldn't see in the physical, but boy, could he see in the spiritual. And his spiritual antenna stood up on his head one day because he heard that Jesus was coming to town. Jesus makes his way into town, and before Jesus and his disciples could leave, your Bible says that blind Bartimaeus stood up on his feet and shouted, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. I feel like shouting. If I've ever felt the Holy Spirit, I feel the Holy Spirit right now. Well, the people were embarrassed by this homeless beggar, and they told him to shut their, his mouth and quiet down until Jesus stopped in his tracks. Let me tell you, it doesn't matter what Jesus is doing, he will always stop for a cry of mercy. And Jesus said, bring him to me. And now the very haters wanted to be a part of the blessing. Tell me that's not your story too. 
they bring Bartimaeus to Jesus, and Jesus says, son, what do you want from me? And Bartimaeus says, Rabboni, I want to see. And immediately he received his sight. Can we thank God for his word? <laughs> Woo! Hey, if we're going to clap, let's clap well. Come on. 1,189 chapters, 31,103 verses. Your Bible was written by 40 different authors, prophets, priests, prisoners, kings, fishers, farmers. Over a span of 15 centuries, your Bible was written originally in three languages, Hebrew, Aramaic, and Greek, on the continents of Asia, Africa, and Europe. They wrote the word through caves and ships and palaces and prisons and deserts. And when I read my Bible and I tell you all of that, one question comes to my mind. How did they write the same story? How did they do that? It's holy. Man used the pen, but God wrote the word. Come on. There is only one author of the Bible, and he is God. And watch this. And the same spirit who inspired those writers to write is the same spirit who inspires the readers as we read. You've heard me say this before. When you read the Bible, you think you're reading the Bible? No, the Bible is actually reading you. Second Timothy says it this way. I used this verse last Sunday to talk about our objective morality. That if we are in Christ Jesus, we declare Jesus is Lord, then we've got God's written word to be our moral compass. We don't get to define morality and standards and right and wrong. God defines it for us. And everything in the Bible, all scripture is given by inspiration of God and it is profitable for what? Come on. Doctrine, reproof, correction, and instruction in righteousness. Now let's keep going. Can we dip a little bit deeper in this? Now a lot of people get confused when they read the Bible because it doesn't read chronologically. It's grouped or categorized differently. So we'll read something one day only for a few days later to feel like we're reading the same thing over and over again. I want to give you a quick overview of all 66 books in the Bible and how they are grouped together. The first five books of the Bible, uh, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, those are known as the Torah. The first five books of the Bible are the law books. Now, you got to write this really quick or you need to take pictures or go back and watch again because it's going to be like drinking water from a fire hydrant, all right? So the first five books are law books. Then, right at the end of Deuteronomy, you move into the book of Joshua. And those next 12 books, all the way to Esther, what a great name and what a great book, those are known as the history books. After that, you get into the poetry books. These have a poetic flow to them. Does that make sense? You've got, you've got the book of Job. That's Job, by the way. That's not Job. And that's okay if you thought it was Job. That's just the Lord telling you you need to get one. Come on, somebody. You, you, you've got Job, you've got Psalms, you've got Proverbs, you've got Ecclesiastes, and then you've got the Song of Solomon, and they're written with great poetry. I told you we're reading the Bible chronologically, 140 of us. We just finished the other day the Song of Solomon. Saucy. <laughs> After the Song of Solomon, you get to the prophecy books. 17 prophetic books. 
broken between the five major prophets and the 12 minor prophets. So the five major prophets would be Isaiah, Jeremiah, Lamentations, Ezekiel, and Daniel. And then the 12 minor prophets begin in Hosea and go all the way through Malachi. Now, the reason that we call them major prophets and minor prophets, prophets is not because of significance. One group is not more significant than a group that's less significant. They're major or minor because of the, the length of their writing. Are you following me, with me? And then watch this. And then you get to Malachi, and it's the last book of the Old Testament. And watch, and for 400 years, there's silence. Nothing. Look, you know history. It's during these 400 years that we learn about the Greek conquest and Alexander the Great and the Roman conquest. For 400 years, there's silence and there's darkness. Oh, I feel the Holy Spirit. And then Jesus arrives. God so loved the world that he gave his one and only begotten son that whosoever would believeth, there's a little King James for you, believeth in him would not perish but have everlasting eternal life. I need 200 people that are thankful for Jesus to put your hands together. Come on. And watch. And Jesus is the main subject of the Bible. It's always been about Jesus. It'll always be about Jesus. And so at Go Church, we're always going to preach Jesus. He is the only way. He is the way, the truth, and the life. Come on. Jesus is the main subject of the Bible. And Jesus shows up, and then we get the Gospels. Well, let me take you to the Gospels real quick. The Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John. Now watch this. These aren't four different stories about Jesus. These are one story about Jesus from four different perspectives. You get to read about the birth, the life, the crucifixion, the death, the resurrection, the ascension from four different perspectives about this one Jesus. Then after the Gospels, we get the book of Acts. That on the day of Pentecost, right, that the disciples were in the upper room. And there came a sound from heaven as of a mighty rushing wind. And it filled the whole house. And lighting on them were tongues as of fire. And they begin to speak in an unknown language. Listen to me. There is power in God's word. And on that day, the New Testament church was birthed. And Simon Peter stepped out. And he says, hey, we're not drunk with wine. It's only 9 o'clock in the morning. He says, we're drunk, but it's with the Holy Spirit. And he preached the message, and he says, here's the message. Repent and be baptized. And the Bible says that 3,000 people got saved that day. And watch, and Christ has been adding to the church ever since. It's me and you. We are the New Testament church. So they begin to plant churches. Watch this. They were planting churches. And so in order to communicate to all of the go churches, come on, somebody. In order to communicate to all of these churches, they had to write letters. And the letters are the epistles. Epistles are not the wives of apostles. They're just letters. They're the way of life. They're the doctrine. And these letters from Romans all the way to Jude teach us right from wrong. And how we should live and how the church should be organized and structured. And then... The revelation. 
prophecy of the last days and the hope of eternity. That is the Bible. Come on. Woo. I told Kimberly, as the Lord was helping me to put this message together, I said, it's going to be a very teaching message. I probably won't yell much. I think I've yelled the whole time. Come on. <laughs> Sometimes you start telling and then you start yelling. Come on now. You got five more minutes? We've locked the doors. So you. The next thing I want to show you, and I want to give you a disclaimer. I learned it from Pastor Chris Hodges. Uh, a spiritual mentor of mine, and I'm not just saying that. I've had a chance to meet with him in different settings. And some months back, he did a message series on the Holy Bible. And when I listened to this particular part of that teaching, I thought, okay, I'm going to use that one day. So I, I'm not going to copyright. I'm not going to take credit for it. I don't know if, he, if God gave him this or if he learned it from someone else. How many of you know that in order to understand the Bible, it's good to learn from others? Okay, so let me, let me show you. He called this the mirror image of the Old Testament and the New Testament and how really they just mirror each other. You got a few minutes, right? Okay, you can, you can write quick or at the end, they'll put it on the screen. You can take a quick picture. Okay, here we go. It starts in Genesis with God and righteous people in paradise. Six days, God created everything. And when he made it, he called it good. And on the seventh day, he rested. He made Adam and Eve. And your Bible says that he gave them dominion over the earth, over paradise. Everything is yours. That was God's design. You get it all. Just don't eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Well, what happens in Genesis chapter 3 is that Satan and sin enter the picture. They disobeyed the command of God and they ate of that forbidden fruit. And sin entered the world. And listen to me. Anytime that Satan and sin enters, two things are always there. Chaos and confusion. So if today in your life, in any area of your life, you have chaos and confusion, I'm telling you, Satan and sin are there because God is not the author of confusion. Satan and sin enter in Genesis chapter number 3. And God says, hey, that's not my design. So what does he do? He taps Noah on the shoulder to build an ark to save Noah's family because he's going to destroy the earth by a flood, right? And he says, you have to save your family because you will repopulate the earth one day. And then for 40 days and 40 nights, it begins to rain. And God judges and destroys the earth. And then as the earth becomes repopulated, they create this one world government system. You can read about it. It's the Tower of Babel. And they're trying to build this tower to get up to the heavens so that they can't just see God, but they want to be God. And God says, that's not the intent. So he introduces the 12 tribes of Israel, which that's God's holy people. The challenge with the 12 tribes of Israel, God's holy people, is that every law that they gave was external. So there had to be a savior. And that savior is Jesus Christ. Come on, can you say amen? Now, I put Jesus at the top of this screen and in the center of the screen because he should always be priority number one, and he should always be in the center of everything that you do. 
Jesus comes. God so loved us that he gave us his son. Jesus comes, and what does he establish? Watch the mirror image. He provides the 12 disciples. He establishes the local church, God's holy people. Watch. Now what's happening, and this is, all, this is a global issue, but especially in America, we are creating a one-world government. We want to be God. We want to do our own thing. We don't want to be accountable to anybody. We want to have the final word and be the final authority. And guess what will happen? You get to the book of Revelation. The world will be judged and destroyed. Now, when God judges the earth and destroys the earth the next time, it won't be with flood. That's why, listen to me, that's the promise of the rainbow. That's the real reason for that rainbow is the promise that God will never flood the earth again, but God will destroy this earth. And when God judges and destroys the earth, Satan and sin won't enter. No, Satan and sin will exit. And Satan will be cast to the bottomless pit. And watch this. And then... Oh, to God be the glory. There won't be God and righteous people in paradise. There will be God and redeemed people in paradise. Hey, let the redeemed of the Lord say so. Come on. Now, I don't want you to miss it. The whole Bible, a mirror image. It starts and ends with God's desire for you to be paradise with him forever and the only way that we get there is through Jesus that's it the closest definition of the word paradise watch this you'll love this is resort that didn't do something to you anybody ever been to an all-inclusive resort yeah if y'all pay your tithes we could figure out a trip together come on somebody (laughs) this resort listen to me this world is not our home. You and I are citizens of heaven. Of heaven. People talk about the afterlife. There is no afterlife. This right now is the before life. That is the real life. And let me tell you real quick and then I'll let you go. In heaven, there is no sickness. In heaven, there is no disease. In heaven, There is no politics. Oh, thanks be to God. In heaven, there ain't no gasoline, baby. Come on, somebody. In heaven, there is no racism. In heaven, there is no cancer. Come on. No, in heaven, there is one gate made from a single pearl. The streets are made of gold. The seas of crystal. And all of the angels in heaven sing one song. Holy, holy, Holy is the Lord God Almighty, who was and is and is to come. Come on, let's give Jesus the highest praise. Hallelujah. Woo. To God be the glory.